is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Chill, chill. We're here. We had a slight internet issue at the beginning of the program. Better a couple minutes late than never. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson. Michael Remus, the CTO, is working a little overtime this morning, but we are good to go. And we have a game day tonight at Canada Life Center. First time I've been able to say that. Jets on the ice tonight. Uh, pretty good lineup for Winnipeg. Uh, set to go at it tonight against the Edmonton Oilers in preseason action. Remo and I will actually be at the game tonight. Maybe we'll see you out there. But we've got lots to talk about. We will get to tonight's lineup, what we are expecting to see in tonight's exhibition game in just a second. We'll also bring on Tim Campbell from NHL.com to uh, discuss the Winnipeg Jets situation, as well as some of the other Western Canadian teams as we get closer to dropping the puck for real on the NHL regular season. And coming up before Tim, we're going to welcome in ice forward Connor McLennan, who is back after finishing his first NHL training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll find out what that was like, as well as look ahead to the big ice home opener on Saturday against the Brandon Wheat Kings. And we'll have an opportunity for those of you that are with us live on YouTube to win a pair of tickets for the game. Um, as always, this show doesn't happen without our sponsors. A big thank you to Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, our newest sponsor, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, and our friends at Cool Bet Canada. I, I did see the chat as we were waiting to go on. Uh, some great comedy in there, folks. And no, I was not running, speaking of cool bet, because we took a beating last night on the Elks face plant in Ottawa and the Blue Jays. But we'll uh, be back at it tonight and we'll get to some lines a little bit later on. Let's get Remus in here. A stressed Michael Remus, who now is breathing easier now that we're back on the air and getting going with another edition of WST. What's good, dude? I mean, we're here, but as people have noted in the chat, you're looking a little blurry. Not not quite 8-bit, but the audio sounds good. That's what's more important. We're actually getting a ton more um, podcast downloads than YouTube views um, lately on our shows. So that I, I, that I'm okay with, but uh, I don't know. So what happened was we went to start the show, and I noticed uh, I'm not getting my full internet what I'm paying uh, my provider for. And you can guess which provider I have. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. <laughs> Um, not so, the one I used to work for. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to name names. I'll say it's one of the two, and I'm not getting what I'm paying for. So we're here. It's working. Uh, welcome everyone. And yeah, it is a Jets game day at the Canada Life Center. So uh, looking, looking forward to it. Um, as I mentioned, we've got lots to get to, uh, both on the Winnipeg Jets as well as the Edmonton Oilers in this game tonight. Um, we'll also talk ice. Connor McClellan's going to come by. Tim Campbell coming up a little bit later on. And we will have to get to what happened last night in the Canadian Football League. The Elks, I, I, I still can't believe it. You want to talk anger, folks? You should have heard some of the Elks fans popping into my guy Dustin Nielsen's show this morning on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Not happy at all. And, of course, a very disappointing night for the Toronto Blue Jays, which we'll get to all of that um, coming up in a few minutes. But, uh, but Remo, I can't wait to get back to the rink tonight. Of course, I was out of town for the game on Sunday, uh, missed the first preseason game, but um, we're going to be back at it. And 
I'll tell you what, fans that are attending the game tonight are going to see a good portion of the Jets' projected starting lineup for the season, including Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler. No Ehlers-Dubois line or Andrew Kopp tonight, but we will see um, Adam Lowry with Paul Stastny and Christian Veselainen. And I know a lot of people are going to be very excited to see Cole Perfetti get another crack in preseason action tonight. Yeah, here I'll, here's Mike McIntyre tweeting out the lines. Um, I looked at him, so it seems like Edmonton played yesterday, and they are rocking their like B squad because I know McDavid tore up uh, Seattle. They got a taste of uh, number ninety-seven for the first time, and then we got uh, yeah, as you said, Connor Shafey, Wheeler, Stasny, Lowry, Veselainen, Harkins, Perfetti, Svechnikov, and this is the one. Both all those guys played last game, and we'll, we'll be getting another look. And then we also have Isamont Gustafson. Pognansky down there on the bottom. Uh, Morrissey, Schmidt, Hainala, DeMello, Stanley, Kovacevic. So again, Johnny Kovacevic getting another game. Hellebuck and Net. Uh, we did have some power play lines as well. Uh, and I can uh, pull those up shortly. But it seems like, you know, they want to get another good look at Paul Perfetti. And we'll certainly get to do that so um yeah a great uh, chance for perfetti to uh, continue his strong camp and uh, show the uh, fans in winnipeg what uh, he brings to the table those power play units uh bill tweeted them out uh pp1 connor shifley wheeler stastny and josh morrissey and then a second unit of vessel line and harkins perfetti schmidt and billy hanala and uh, was noted that morrissey and schmidt were rotating so I think we'll see the looks with both of those guys with the power play units, obviously, depending on how many chances the Winnipeg Jets get coming up tonight. Oilers, for that matter, certainly not bringing a star-studded lineup to tonight's game. Uh, you've got Fogel, McLeod, and Cassian as the top line. Tyler Benson, who, from all accounts, is really up against it in, the ch- in his quest to earn a spot on the roster. He'll be there with Marodi and Griffith. Uh, Esposito, Malone, and Colton Sevier. And uh, Safin, uh, Adam Cracknell there, didn't, didn't realize that he had signed with the Edmonton and Borgo. Um, a bunch of these guys, I'm not too sure who they are, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Slater Cuckoo, Evan Bouchard, that'll be interesting. And of course, uh, if you forgot, Cody Cece's now an Edmonton Oiler. He will be in the lineup tonight. Um, no Koskinen, no Mike Smith. It'll be Konovalov and Skinner as the goaltenders for Edmonton. So certainly a more veteran-laden lineup for the home team tonight, Reem. Yeah, I know it. William Lageson has. I have his young guns. I pulled it out of a box of series two. <laughs> so I'm cheering for number 84, William Lageson. So yeah, the Oilers uh, putting their their B squad on here. I guess Evan Bouchard, we'll get a look at him. Cassian, I know Dustin Nielsen's daughter will be happy that he's getting in game action. Yep. But uh, you looked at that lineup, and I know you rushed over to CoolBet to check the lines. I was waiting lines, and I know I said there's nothing more degen than betting on preseason hockey, but when I saw the Jets lineup and what the Oilers were bringing, uh, I reversed that course. Uh, Jets are plus 130 to win by two tonight, just so you know. We'll get to cool bet lines a little bit later on. Um, All right, Uh, as I mentioned, we are going to be talking much more Jets training camp with Tim Campbell a little bit later on. I do want to get to that Elks game last night. Shout out to Paul Apolise. Big win. If only every game for Ottawa could be against Edmonton this year. Um, And we'll also talk about the Jays. Very, very tough loss last night. Uh, But let's get right to it because I think Connor McClellan is ready to go. Looking forward to talking to him about 
what it was like being out at an NHL training camp and, of course, the upcoming season for the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, before we do that, I do want to thank our friends over at Manitoba Battery for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Donnie and the guys over at, uh, on Logan Avenue, 1026 Logan, to be exact, are the spot to power whatever you need going into the winter. We're talking automotive batteries, industrial batteries, farm batteries, power sports, sleds, of course, USB backups, uh, UPS backup supply batteries, MediChair batteries as well. Um, and not only will they give you incredible service, they'll give you the best price in town. The same battery that you'd go in and pay like 120 bucks for at Costco, you'll get it at $89.99 for Manitoba battery. And they'll deliver it to you for less than it would cost you to go to one of the big box stores. So support local, take care of everything you need anything to do with batteries, our boys at Manitoba Battery got you covered. Give them a call, 783-8787, or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, of course, hockey season is here, ice season, jet season, and I know fans are fired up. The best selection of merch from pretty much every league on the planet is waiting for you down at Royal Sports. You want to get geared up for the next Bomber game? Royal Sports. You need a new jersey for the Jets season? Maybe a Nate Schmidt or Brendan Dillon? Royal Sports has got you covered. And of course, if you're a hockey player, the family owned for over 35 years in Winnipeg, hockey experts working at the store, that is the place to get ready to drop the puck on the upcoming season. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway, our friends at Royal Sports. And you could tell them that the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And of course, a big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. I, I bet Nick and Nikki are working a little OT right now because, my God, we have midsummer type temperatures in Winnipeg. I was out on my deck last night at midnight and it was 23 degrees. Could not believe it. Bottom line, folks, it's blizzard weather still right now in Winnipeg. Get on down to any of the four locations DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, the DQ at Polo Park, or the DQ over on St. Anne's. Grab yourself a blizzard. Maybe an ultimate grill burger as well. And as always, hit him up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you need a DQ cake, he'll get it custom made for you, ready to pick up at any of the three Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, we'll get back to the Jets and the big stories in a few minutes. But let's welcome in ice forward Connor McClellan to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Connor, just coming off his first NHL training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. Joins us now from Ice HQ. Connor, what's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's great to have you on the program. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, so uh, what was the last few weeks like for you? Been, uh, you spent time out in Philly getting your taste of what the National Hockey League training camp was like. Uh, how, uh, how did it go? What was the experience like for you? Yeah, definitely pretty cool. Interactive. Uh, just the whole atmosphere of it. Um, they got a first class facility there and, um, no, I just tried to soak it all in. I was there for a month and, um, yeah, no, it was really fun. A month is a long time. What did you do beforehand? Were you working with the team? Uh, you know, was essentially getting prepped. I imagine there was some sort of a rookie or a prospect camp before the main camp. I mean, uh, fill us in on uh, what happened when you got there and, uh, how they kind of ease the young players like yourself into the organization. Yeah, no, so I uh, went there at the start of August, or end of August, sorry, and um, development camp was first, and uh, kind of rolled into rookie camp a couple weeks later, so there was a couple weeks where um, I was just working out skating um, on the ice with the NHL guys, and um, working with the development crew, so um, no, it was really fun, and um, just tried to soak it all in. 
Uh, ice forward Connor McLennan with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Ice and Wheaties get after it with the home opener on Saturday. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, what was it like? I, I mean, I, I imagine you know, you've been you know working your whole life to you know get a taste of the National Hockey League, and you get there to camp, and you're around some pretty established NHLers. Um, what was it like getting on with the big boys that first time? And uh, was there nerves involved or uh, did you have to kind of keep focused on just the job at hand? Yeah, definitely. There's some nerves um, being on the ice with NHL guys. But uh, when you settle in, it's just hockey. You've been you've been doing it your whole life and um, you kind of just got to do what's got you there. So I'm um, just kind of playing my game and um, keeping it simple, uh, showing them why they picked me, I guess. And um, but no, there was definitely some nerves, uh, the first couple of drills and whatnot, but, um, no, once you settle in, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I have to ask you, I mean, going up and, you know, battling against NHLers at times, I mean, uh, what, what stood out to you? Was it the size, the speed, the strength was all of it? Did it seem like a big step up from what you'd been normally playing in junior hockey? Um, definitely notice it physically. Um, you're going into corners against men, um, not 16 year olds who are uh, still filling into their bodies and whatnot. So, um, that was kind of the biggest thing I took away from it is just trying to build on my strength to take that next, next step to the pro game. And, um, just watching how they handle themselves when they're on the ice, how, um, dialed in, I guess they are the, the whole time you're out there. And then, um, especially when they're in the gym, um, just the little things they do, just trying to get better each and every time um, they're on the ice or in the gym was uh, was the biggest takeaway for me. Was there a, was there a welcome to the NHL moment? Uh, did you have your head down at some point in a drill or anything like that going, whoa, you got to keep the head on a swivel up against uh, the best in the world? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember one time in a drill, we were actually just scrimmaging there for a while and um, Rasmus first line and pinched down. I mean, I was like, geez, that's a long stick. Like that's a six, six man out there. And, um, he kind of just stiff armed me and I almost fell over. So, um, that was kind of my, uh, my biggest, uh, takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what was AV like? How was the, how the coaching staff treat you guys? And, uh, what, uh, what did they have for you? I mean, I, I imagine there was a lot of learning as well, as much as you want to show what you can do. I mean, getting the opportunity to be there around the pros, knowing that that's the ultimate goal. Um, there's a lot that can, can be gained. Uh, how'd the coaching staff handle you uh, right from the get-go? Yeah, so for rookie camp, uh, very AHL staff kind of ran things. And then um, when you transition over to main camp, um, obviously it's their uh, their NHL coaches. And um, obviously they got a lot on their plate. They got a lot to play for this year. So he was, uh, he was focused on the team um, that he's going to be putting together this year. So, uh, But you, when you're out there with, with him, you're just trying to make a good impression, um, kind of show – why you're there and he hasn't seen me i guess there are lots of us young guys so just kind of showing what to expect and um kind of how you play the game i guess was there uh you mentioned ristolainen i mean that is a big dude i mean that's uh that is an absolute welcome to the nhl moment if you collide with a guy like that um what about the forwards um you know i mean there's some pretty talented established nhlers there guys like pachuri and, and, and Giroux. um did you pick up anything from them or uh, was it more kind of competing to show that you belong yeah, definitely. I think it's a mix of both. You want to stay in battles and, and show you belong there. Obviously, um, I got to keep building my game and 
Um, obviously they're still building it. There's, um, there's lots to, lots to learn. You can never be too good. But, um, for me, one guy I had my on was Travis Konechny being a smaller guy and, um, kind of just seeing how he went about his business and how he uh, handled himself was, uh, was one guy I definitely had my eye on. Uh, what'd you think of Philly as a city? Did you, did you get to take it in much or was it all business all the time? Um, no, it was definitely business quite a bit, but we got to enjoy it a little bit. We went to a Phillies game one day and, um, went downtown. So, um, I actually was there a couple of years ago for a spring hockey tournament. So I knew a little bit about it. Went to, went to the stairs and saw the Rocky Balboa statue and, um, no, it was, it's a nice city and, um, the fans are uh, very passionate there. So, yeah. um, <laughs> to say the least, I, the passionate fans, certainly, I mean, you went to a Phillies game. I'm not sure if you got up to the link for the Eagles. Uh, Philly fans do have a reputation of being psychos. I mean, let's face it. I mean, did you did you see any of that firsthand while you were there? Um, not firsthand, but uh, just showing how passionate they were. It was first day of main camp, and the rink was packed. Like just uh, in their practice facility, there was you couldn't have fit another guy in there. So um, no, there was uh, definitely a fa- passionate uh, fan crew. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, it's, I'm still laughing about Eli Manning's story about a nine-year-old giving him the double bird on Monday night football earlier and, uh, only in Philadelphia, but when you're one of their own, they certainly love you. And, um, that will be the goal for you overall. I mean, just a totally positive experience. I mean, uh, did you leave feeling more confident about yourself and the path that you're on to hopefully make it to the national hockey league someday? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a good exit interview and um, everything went good down those lines. So um, I was really happy with my camp and um, just just tried to leave your uh, your best impression. You want to go there and uh, show them why they picked you. And um, yeah, just uh, leaving my best impression was uh, the most important thing I took out of it. And um, they seemed happy, but I got a lot to prove this year and um, I'm ready to get back at her with the ice. Ice forward Connor McLennan with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, fresh off of Philadelphia Flyers training camp. Before we talk about this week and the home opener and the upcoming season, i got to ask you about last year. Um, you know, it was a brutal year for everybody. I mean, especially people involved in junior hockey. You managed to get 24 games in the bubble out in Regina. Um, and you personally had a great year. I mean, uh, you're second in scoring behind Peyton Krebs, who I believe won WHL Player of the Year. Uh, but what was the entire year like for you? I mean, all of the waiting, what did you do in the meantime? Um, and then how beneficial was it to at least get on the ice for 24 games with your teammates? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of questioning and doubt, I guess, uh, even if we were going to have a season. But um, credit to the Western League for uh, letting us get in some games. And um, when we got there, it was a lot of fun. We had a really good group in the bubble. And um, just trying to enjoy it for those couple months here. Uh, we only got to spend a couple months with the guys, so just trying to enjoy each and every day. And uh, definitely in the in the summer, it was hard to train. You usually get in your routine of um, when you start skating, um, when you're going to do your heavy lifting and building your strength. And um, but no, it was uh, definitely rewarding when we did get to get to game action and um, get to play in the bubble. But um, I'm definitely happy to be back in Winnipeg, uh, settled back in, and uh, really excited to get back at her. How, uh, Connor, how did you handle the time before you were back with your team? I mean, where were you? What were you doing? Were you able to skate? Were you able to train? And uh, how taxing was it mentally with the uncertainty of even if you were going to get a chance to play legit games last season? Yeah, it was definitely hard. There was definitely some tough tough stretches, I guess. Um, I didn't get to finish uh, my 17-year-old year because of injury. I was just about to come back before we got shut down. But 
Um, no, I spent uh, my whole time back in Wainwright, um, back home, and um, we were fortunate enough to be able to skate and train um, for most of the time. We got shut down there for a little bit, um, kind of later in November. I got to play a couple of junior A games while the season was on hold, just to kind of keep in game action and um, try and stay sharp. It was 14 months uh, in between my Western League games, so... Um, there's definitely a big gap, but, um, I'm definitely excited to be back here now and, um, get going for sure. Well, Winnipeg's excited to have you and the boys back. We got the battle of Manitoba kicking things off that great rivalry that we were really robbed of. I mean, the first year of the ice, it looked like we were going to have Wheaties and ice in the playoffs, which I think would have been phenomenal for the league here in Manitoba and for both teams. Uh, that being said, we're starting it off, but what was it like coming back? I know James Patrick fired up, got a good squad right now. I mean, uh, uh, the boys had a lot of questions for you, I'm sure, about how NHL training camp was and then uh, right back to work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm getting back on the ice here the first couple of days. Um, the energy is high. We have a lot of expectations to, to have a good season, but um, I guess we're just focused on these first two games against the Wheaties. Obviously, they're our, uh, our arch nemesis. So um, big, four point, big four points here uh, to start the year, and I'm just going to try and build off that. I've got to ask you, I mean, everyone's optimistic at the start, but it does seem like there's some real solid talent on this squad. I mean, even with Peyton Krebs presumably heading to the National Hockey League, I mean, Carson Lambos, a first-round pick. He just came back from Wild Camp. You coming back from Flyers Camp. What's the feeling around the ice? And what are the expectations in the room for what you guys might be able to achieve this year? Um, yeah, definitely. There's some high expectations for us to have a good season. Um, we're, uh, we're a really tight knit group. There's a core guy, a bunch of core guys that have been together since kind of day one here in Winnipeg. So, um, just trying to enjoy it though. You don't want to put too much pressure on yourselves to, uh, to overdo it. And, um, I think just taking it day by game, uh, day by day is going to be the biggest thing for us to, uh, to stay focused and stay at the task at hand. But, um, no, we definitely got a lot of talent, um, obviously with Lambo, and then you got Savin geeks with their draft years. So, um, no, it's definitely going to be a fun year and uh, I'm just going to enjoy it. I got to tell you, Connor, you're getting a lot of love here in the chat today. You've made a lot of fans in a uh, fast uh, time here in Winnipeg. Patrolman Pete said you're a total gentleman too. We'll never forget how kind he was to my Timbits hockey playing son who loves the ice too. What a beauty. Uh, managed to have a good time here in Winnipeg so far. And, uh, you know, uh, certainly what's happening on the ice is great, but, um, got a lot of fans here already. Yeah. I love to hear that. <laughs> um, let's talk about this uh, opening of the season going in. Um, you mentioned starting off against the Wheaties. I can't imagine there'd be a better way um, to begin the season with a couple wins against your arch rivals. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously going to Brandon first. Um, it's going to be a huge first game, I guess, we, to, to get off on the right foot. And um, we're, uh, we're just preparing like it's any other game. But um, obviously, anytime you play the Wheat Kings, there's a, there's a little more to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, just focusing on Friday's game and, um, hopefully we walk out of there with two points and then can focus on Saturday for, uh, the first game back here in Winnipeg. Uh, of course, um, it's a big year for you. You've got a chance to, you know, get your feet wet playing against the big boys in the national hockey league and training camp. You're now here starting the ice season. What are the goals for you this year personally? And, uh, might one be wearing a Canadian Jersey in and around Christmas time? Yeah, definitely. I'm um, going to the summer camp there this uh, this August, and um, no, that's definitely a big goal for me. Um, get off to a good start here, and um, kind of just show uh, 
show them what I'm made of, I guess. Um, trying to, that'd be a huge honor, uh, especially here in Canada. So um, try not to look too far ahead, but I think just if I take it day by day and game by game, I think that'll set me up for the most success. Well, I'll tell you what, it all starts with uh, this weekend, getting back on the ice. I know, uh, you know, Manitoba fans, whether they're out in Westman supporting the Wheaties or here in the peg supporting the ice, um, just, I think everyone just happy that it looks like this season is going to be a go and you and your teammates can get back to doing what you do and continuing the path, hopefully that ends in the National Hockey League. But first things first, we got the Battle of Manitoba going on this weekend. Connor, this was an awesome, awesome visit for you. We'll definitely have to do it again. People are loving you in the chat. Uh, everyone wishes you and the ice best of luck this weekend in the upcoming season. And uh, you're awesome. This uh, certainly won't be the last time we have you on the program. Perfect. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. Great stuff. There he is, Connor McLennan. Follow him on Twitter at McLennan94. And, uh, you know, to finish this up, we do have some tickets to give away. Man, he was an awesome interview. Uh, right now, Remus, I believe we're going to do what we did yesterday, the uh, exclamation mark tickets in the chat. Yes, that should be working now. I just initiated the giveaway. Uh, I think there'll be a message, exclamation mark tickets in the chat. And uh, I don't know, we, we can do it, hand them out at the end of the show. Um, there we go. Yeah, it's in there. Sounds good. Okay, so there you go, folks. If you're in Winnipeg and you would like to go to the game, we've got a pair of tickets from the ice to give away. So uh, just simply go into the YouTube chat and type exclamation mark tickets. And uh, we'll add you in at the end. It will randomly pick uh, pick someone for a winner. Shout out to Jeff Kabilis, one of the OGs of Winnipeg Sports Talk, who uh, was the winner yesterday. Might have a little bit of a good WST contingent out there on Saturday night. Um, great stuff from Connor McLennan. Best of luck to the ice. And thanks to our pal Brian Munns for helping us set all that up. For more information on the ice, season tickets, ticket packages, head on over to the website at winnipegice.ca. All right. Do want to thank our friends at Princess Auto. I saw Tracy Kraniak said it's her favorite store. Was very excited that they're on board with us. Listen, Princess Auto, an incredible community member. We are so appreciative to have them on board with us. Um, you know, every day going forward. And we'll also, for you curling fans, uh, do once a week a little bit of a curling report brought to you by Princess Auto. Had a great way to kick it off yesterday with Reed Carruthers. What a beauty he is. Reed's out today to uh, Red Deer for uh, a mixed qualifying event. Uh, but both Princess Auto supporting Mike McEwen's team and Jen Jones' teams. And uh, who knows, maybe both of those teams could be heading to the Olympics. They both qualified for the trials, which will be coming up a little bit later on in November. Um, but if you're not familiar with Princess Auto, um, you probably should be. You'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around, plus items from the new farm category. Um, they pride themselves on helping you create ideas in your head, whether for your shop, worksite, or home. You know you find love finding the right tools and equipment to build or repair things yourself. Shop all the great deals at Princess Auto 24 hours a day at princessauto.com or come see them at one of their two Winnipeg locations. Um, you know, I mentioned that this is a great time for a blizzard. It's also a great time to maybe hit a patio and uh, no better place to do that than down at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. Patio will still be going right now. Of course, the tap room's open. They've got all that incredible 1919. And that deal is still on right now. If you want to, you know, maintain that taste of summer, the summer variety pack on sale now at the tap room and online. And with every summer variety pack you pick up, you'll get a $5 gift certificate 
for your next purchase, a little brown jug. And if you want to get four of them, you'll get four GCs. It's all there, littlebrownjug.ca, or pop down and see them in person on William Avenue. Today might be a great great day to do exactly that. And uh, I also want to give a shout-out to our friends at Boston Pizza. This is a great sports week. Last night, hit, hit up the BP. We had the Blue Jays on. We had the Elks game on. We'll get to both of those in a minute. Um, but... You know, BP, they know how it's done when it comes to be a great spot to get together with friends to watch sports. They got the great wings, the pizza, the schooners, and the big game on all the screens. Uh, whether it's tonight for the Jets game, tomorrow for the big cat bowl between the Jags and Bengals, Bombers on Friday night, Boston Pizza, always the place to go to gather with friends for the big game. And of course, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Remo, uh, we will get back to the hockey and the Winnipeg Jets with Tim Campbell in a few minutes. Uh, we are seeing a lot of people entering for the tickets. Good luck to everybody. And um, But let's get to last night. Uh, where do you want to start, the CFL or the Blue Jays? Because we've got lots to talk about on both games. Yeah, um, that's a good one. I guess we could start. We want to start at the CFL, Tuesday night yes. football. And someone said the bonus of Tuesday, you do have football every day of the week now. We have football, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, no Wednesday, but then you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. So maybe I could get behind Tuesday night, Tuesday night football from now on. I gotta say, I loved it. Um and again, I was mostly locked in on the Blue Jays last night. That was such a tense game, absolute playoff atmosphere. But it was pretty hard to keep your eyes off what was happening in Ottawa. And, I mean, before we knew it, it was 14 nothing for the Red Blacks. And Edmonton did make a couple of pushes later on in the game, but just simply didn't get it done. And, man, Remo, you can imagine, in Edmonton, this is being uh, referred to as one of the most embarrassing losses that the organization or franchise has had in maybe a decade the game one of the regular season was a bizarre game. It turned on the pick six. The Elks, I think, sort of got a mulligan for that one. But this loss last night, and, you know, I know Taylor Cornelius was in. He had already played. The Red Blacks had two quarterbacks that had never seen the field in the Canadian Football League, and that's part of the reason why. I bet at Kubat, 95% of the money was on Edmonton. Maybe that's a sign to go the other way. Uh, regardless, an absolutely devastating loss for Edmonton, which really puts their playoff hopes in peril in a very tough Western division. And on the other side of things, you just had to feel good for Paul Apolise and the guys in Ottawa to get that victory. But maybe the people I think I felt the most for, Reem, was the Ottawa fans. They still support that team very well. And I mentioned just how miserable everybody looked when they were getting their asses kicked by Hamilton last week in the middle of that monsoon. It looked like it was going to be as miserable a season as possible. At least the fans in Ottawa got to see a win on home turf. Uh, no one was expecting it. They haven't lost to anyone in the league by less than 10 points, but now they've got two wins over the Edmonton Elks. Yeah, this is really bad for Edmonton. And I think, you know, I think we're kind of this year, we've underestimated you know, how good guys making their first pro start can be. You know, I remember Jake Mayer came in we're like, oh, this guy's never started in the CFL before. You know, he's going to have a rough go. And he went out and won and shocked anyone. And I had the pleasure of uh, betting against him. And it was yesterday as well. Uh, Ottawa. Okay, they're starting a guy, you know, Caleb. Uh, sorry, what's his, what his name again? Uh, he's never started in the CFL before. You know, they're missing Nichols and Davis. Uh, it's going to be a rough one for him. And we all hammered Edmonton 
and the minus six and a half, and it went up to like minus eight. And he came in, he showed he could th- actually throw the ball downfield. And on the flip side, I think we totally forgot, hey, Taylor Cornelius, yeah, he's played in the CFL, and yeah, he might be able to throw it uh, pretty far, but the guy also makes a lot of mistakes, and we saw that yesterday. So, you know, I think maybe we were, these teams are closer than we think. Um, guys who are CFL quarterbacks have had success elsewhere leading them that path, and you, know, you can come in and, and play well, and maybe the next time a quarterback comes in who hasn't you know, started a game before, Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should uh, bet on the underdog at that point because I, I've been burned here here twice. And I know a lot of people were very, very all in on Edmonton. I got host. Not only that, I mean, I was talking to Aaron Karolnik. I mean, there were a lot of guys that had parlayed a bunch of NFL favorites with the Elks just to win the game. I yeah. mean, it was probably like minus two fifty or minus three hundred, something like that. Like one of those names. Oh, I'm just gonna top the parlay up a little bit, and then oh, yeah, you get the you get the this steel toe to the groin, figuratively, of course, from it. But yeah, Caleb Evans, um, you know, passed, didn't even get to 200 yards, but he was 15 of 22, yeah. passed for three touchdowns, 191, ran for 59 yards. And I think that was a real key part of the of the uh, offensive attack. And he didn't throw a pick, did not make a mistake. And uh, big night for our old pal, Timothy Flanders as well, who got into the end zone ream. Yeah, Timothy Flanders. Uh, I was a big fan of his when he was here. He was always great. I thought at uh, catching passes and also had great hair. But there he was yesterday, rushing 14 carries, 45 yards. And uh, he he had two catches uh, for 16 yards on three attempts. The one guy, and first of all, welcome back, Kenny Stafford against his former team. uh, 44 yards and a touchdown in his return to the CFL. The one guy I hear everyone um, talking about on Ottawa is this Devonte Deadman who had another punt return touchdown. Um, he had three uh, kick returns for, you know, total 99 yards. This guy makes stuff happen and uh, they got to find a way to get him the ball, you know, when they're on offense, not just returning kicks because another game in a row where he is one of their main sources of offense. But I never thought, never that Ottawa would be able to score 34 points and Caleb Evans with a three touchdown game. And I mean, he only threw, he didn't throw over 200 yards, threw for 191, but they had way more yards than they had in their week one huh. game. <laughs> they had the, the more in the first quarter than they did. And you know what? This is great for Ottawa. I mean, I think we all realize that the former bomber duo of Matt Nichols and Dominic Davis was, I mean, not getting, not getting it done. And I'm not sure how much Matt Nichols has left. Davis was never really an option here in Winnipeg. So it was maybe a little surprising you know, that he was the number two guy. Um, they need to find some new quarterbacks. They signed Doug Hodges. We'll see what happens to him. I believe he signed a three-year deal, so he'll be in the mix. But I'll tell you what, Caleb Evans, pretty nice start for him as a CFLer, getting a big win as a huge underdog against the Elks team that now sits at two and five, Remus. Like, if you look at the CFL standings, I mean, you almost have to, you know, kind of rub your eyes and say, am I seeing this? Calgary and Edmonton both at two and five BC two games ahead four and three right now and even looking across to the east division Montreal just two and four on the season so a half game up on those clubs but again to qualify for the crossover you have to have a better record and Edmonton's next part of his schedule is brutal back to back against Winnipeg I think they've got a couple against Saskatchewan uh, we could very well be seeing the first time in maybe forever 
than Calgary and Edmonton both missing the playoffs in the same season. Yes, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Then Calgary, we're kind of been dealing with that, but Edmonton, you know, we thought uh, in the first half against the Bombers the other week, you know, maybe this Cornelius guy is pretty decent, and then the Bombers really gave it to him. I mean, they have dynamic players on offense, James Wilder, who did finally hit the over prop. I saw a lot of people tweeting that they needed him to the over oh, for Russian. Last, last play yeah. of the game. And and uh, what, Greg Ellingson? I mean, he's been a CFL all-star, Darrell Walker. I mean, these are good players. And then against this Ottawa team that just got, you know, whipped by Montreal. Uh, Vernon Adams putting up like crazy uh, touchdowns and points. BC twice doing the same thing to these guys. And I mean, c- congratulations to Ottawa. The fans there, they support the team. Uh, it was pretty miserable. I said I wasn't even going to watch the game because I thought it was going to be a horrible beatdown with no offense like it was last week. But uh, we all were proven wrong, and this is why you watch the game. So, That's uh, why they play the games, folks. Shout out to yeah. Ottawa for getting it done. Their fans yeah. deserved it. And I think everyone, you know, happy for Paul Apolise because that's a miserable situation to be in. I mean, he wanted to be a head coach again, jumped at the opportunity to get one of the nine jobs in the league as uh, as the boss, uh, but went into a situation where talent-wise, they just simply were not up to snuff with the rest of the league, um, but managed to get it done last night. So well done, Ottawa. Shout out to the Ottawa fans. Cut those logs and uh, enjoy the victory. Waiters 21 said, Rod Peterson said, yeah, Calgary and Edmonton have never missed the playoffs in the same season. That is what I thought. Um, it's... It's stunning to see them where they are right now. But I'll tell you what, the rest of the West, including people here in Winnipeg, will take it. I think it's going to be a three-horse race coming right down to the end. We'll see the next couple of weeks, depending on what the Bombers do. Um, you know, I think they could you know, almost clinch first with a few games left if they continue winning right now. Uh, but again, a huge game against BC. A win against BC would almost guarantee them of being in the top two. Uh, and then, of course, they've got the tiebreaker over Saskatchewan right now. But BC will be ready to go. We'll have more on the game as we get closer to the weekend with what's going on in the Canadian Football League and the Bombers uh, getting ready for the British Columbia Lions in a late one on Friday night. And then there was the Blue Jays last night, Reem. Uh, you know, I mean, Hyunjin Ryu was not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. He really had to work hard in the first few innings. I mean, I think he went 21 or 22 pitches just in the first inning alone to get out. You know, did walk a couple guys, uh, you know, gave up a home run that tied the game and then, you know, was out, I believe, before the fifth inning. Um, the bullpen came in, but it really came down to one swing in the bat that absolutely turned the game. And that was Giancarlo Stanton with a swing that looked like uh, like a, hitting a nine iron off the turf, uh, a pitch that was so far out of the strike zone. But when that guy gets his barrel of the bat on the ball, it's gone. And that's what happened last night. A three-run shot late in the game that really flipped it. And uh, man, that's a tough, tough loss for the Jays, especially when you consider that the Red Sox lost to the Orioles last night. A glorious opportunity to make up a full game on both of the teams that are in the mix. Yes, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, they got lucky with the Red Sox loss, but that game totally changed there with the Giancarlo Stanton uh, blast. And I mean, it was a changeup down, very, very down, and uh, somehow got a hold of it and uh, rocket. I mean, you got to kind of just tip your hat to him. He's been one of the best hitters uh, for a long time, and uh, I think they said they wanted like five innings out of regular. Got four and a third. 
I mean, he had three strikeouts. I don't think he hit that over prop that I uh, said that he would. It was at three and a half, uh, one walk. So, I, I mean, maybe you'd like to see him go deeper. It was on the Jays' bullpen, which has been a bit uh, questionable. It was Trevor Richards. They're giving up the bomb to Giancarlo Stanton. But, look, if this was, a, you know, let's say this is a best of three series against the, against the Yankees. You still have a shot here to take two in a row. It's going to be tough, but they are in it. And this uh, wild card race, let me just pull it up right now, Hus, because it is so tight with the Red Sox. Sorry, the Yankees now in the lead. You got to check this every day. Yankees in the lead, uh, then the Red Sox, then Seattle, who's 0.5 games back, and then, oh, I can't even, and then, uh, and then Toronto, one game back. So, uh, yeah, they've, I mean, they just got to, I think tonight, I don't want to say must win, but. I mean, you got to get a split here in the first two. Yeah, um, I mean, they need to win this series. I mean, bottom line. Mm-hmm. And um, But tonight, it's uh, Berrios on the hill for the Blue Jays going up against uh, Garrett Cole. Um, Cole, one of the top pitchers in the league. Uh, Berrios is going to need to show why they brought him to Toronto and um, you know, hopefully get those bats going, even up this series with an opportunity to win it tomorrow. Because as I said, there's five games left in the season. They have to win these. They've got three against Baltimore, and you need to win those, but you don't want to be relying on other people to lose. You want to take care of your own business. It meant winning this series, and unfortunately now down one afterwards, uh, they're going to need to win the next two. There was something that happened that I do want to bring up on the program, though, and I think the karma of this act maybe led to what happened with with Giancarlo Stanton's home run. I don't know if you were watching, Remus, but in the seventh inning, down three to two in a playoff, basically a playoff game. The wave was going through the Rogers Center on all three levels. Now, fair or foul. Normally, I would say that's outrageous. I did think it was outrageous. I almost tweeted the same. Do we give the fans a pass because they're back and kind of forgot how things work and we're just so happy to be there that they were doing the wave? Or is it an epic fail? for doing the wave at such a tense point in the seventh inning of what was essentially a playoff game. Oh man. Uh, yeah, probably a fail, right? It I don't was. think, I don't think it, it, that's an appropriate time. You usually do the wave, like the end of a blowout. Um, I think that, you know, when the game has already been decided doing yeah, the wave, it's a victory lap. Yeah. Doing the wave at an intense portion of the game. Uh, I think that's bad etiquette, and I like the wave. I know people hate it, but this is why this is why people hate it because someone some dummy tries to start it at the wrong time, and you got other people like, "Hey, I'm trying to watch the game here," and uh, someone's doing the wave. So yeah, I, I mean, it's giving people who like the wave a bad name when you do that. And and just after that, boom, three run shot, game yeah. over for uh, for the Yankees. So um, I did see. A number of tweets about that. So I certainly wasn't the only one. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt right now because a lot of fans, it's been so long since they've been at games. I think they sort of forgot how things work. But man, the Wave losing in the seventh inning of such an important game, bad look. It led to bad things. I'm not saying that they're correlated, but the evidence is there. I'm <laughs> just hey, kidding, wait. of course. Schickster says, since when is the Wave a winning a winning event? Well... Well, I don't know. You're not just going to do it during a, like one of the most intense parts of the game. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'll tolerate the wave if it's, you know, 5-1 in the third period and, you know, the fans are, you know, the game's essentially over. Oh. But, I mean, you don't see a lot of big waves happening when your team's getting their asses kicked, do you? So that yeah. would just be a normal it, thing. There, there's it, a number. You fail. We've got fail. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Hustler hates bad time waves. Justin Fung, epic L for what they did. Waves suck. I'm not completely anti-wave. There's a there's a time and a place for everything. Last night, at that point in that game, certainly not it. But we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, we'll have more on this game. We'll set up everything when uh, we hit the cool bet lines a little bit later on. We're going to get back to the Winnipeg Jets, though, in just a second with Tim Campbell. Before that, do you want to thank our friends at Canadian Club for their great uh, support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Uh, And we've got some exciting things to happen. We've been doing the marble races. We've had some of the great I Love Rye packages with that incredible Canadian Club product. We now also have, they've just come in, some amazing Winnipeg Sports Talk CC merchandise that we put together. Big shout out to our friend James who helped make that happen. So on Friday, make sure you're here. Uh, we'll maybe do a double, a big, big game going into the Friday nighter for the Bombers against the Lions. Maybe see if I can squeeze another I Love Rye package out, but we'll definitely have the opportunity for someone to win a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie and a Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirt with our friends over at Canadian Club. And of course, you can get the great taste of CC at any Manitoba Liquor Mart. And of course, it's available all throughout IG Field as CC is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Don't forget, we're finishing up our season with the Cinnaboy Downs, but they are open year-round. You can pop down to the track. BLT is open at 9 a.m. Great food. Uh, Terrace Dining Room open on Friday and Saturday night. And when you're out there, you can also bet on tracks around the world, or you can hit it up at the hpibet.com website. Uh, we can't wait to get back out there. And again, thanks to Cineboy Downs for their support throughout the year. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little later on. NHL preseason, big baseball games tonight. Tomorrow's Thursday nighter. But let's talk Jets. The team is back on the ice tonight. And uh, a number of familiar faces in the lineup before the Jets take on the Edmonton Oilers. And speaking of familiar faces, it's great to welcome back Tim Campbell of NHL.com to the program. Tim, what's going on? How are you, my friend? I'm well, Hustler. Uh, How are you today? I'm told you're a bit blurry today. Yes, apparently. Uh, We've got some sort of an internet (laughs) snafu, and I look like I'm being streamed from a Commodore 64 right now. But um, the audio's fine. It's a classic classic look. I like it. (laughs) Exactly. Looks like one of those uh, old Atari games or something like that coming up. But uh, we're we're handling it. How have you been? Looking forward to getting the puck, uh, dropping the puck on this season in a couple weeks? Yeah, yes, I am. I, I think, you know, it's another one of our steps towards uh, normal life. Um, there are the fans in the rink, um, and, you know, as misbehaving or well-behaving as some of them are in different places. Uh, I thought it was just cool the other night. Uh, went to the game on Sunday night and just see the fans in there and the players and the coaches have been talking about that the past few days about um, the buzz being there. And I think it, the way the coach mentioned the other night, uh, just, you know, coming, walking out to the bench to the smell of popcorn. It's a simple thing in life, but um, so much more appreciated, I think, than uh, some years ago. So little steps towards normal life and hopefully an exciting season isn't too far away here for us. 
Well, and, and, you know, certainly that is the case. I mean, talking to fans and, uh, you know, fans of the Jets and friends, I mean, I think everyone is excited to to get back into the rink. And, you know, it's been a long time. And I was going back. I mean, I think March 6th was the last game. And Connor Hellebuck and a big shutout against Vegas. Everyone was all fired up. And then within a couple of weeks, everything was shut down. We know what we've been, we've been dealing with ever since then. Um, but as far as the team goes, when we spoke in the offseason, I think uh, everyone around here very excited about the club and particularly the offseason moves that general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff made, re-signing Paul Stastny, which was quickly followed by the acquisitions of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. Um, so once that taken, had taken place, you got Pionk signed, Cop signed the one-year deal. It really didn't seem like there was a lot of news going through to August. Heading into training camp, Tim, from your perspective for the Jets, what intrigued you the most about what we're going through right now uh, before we get to the upcoming season when it comes to the Jets roster and the organization? Wow. Like, <clears throat> Hustler, I would say to you, you know, intrigue. There's very little of it for me at the Jets training camp. I I really think, you know, that the new top four in terms of the defense pair um, with Neil Pionk and Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt with Josh Morrissey, yeah, I mean, we're going to get a look at Morrissey and, and Schmidt tonight in the game against the Oilers here, the preseason game. But, what you know, how much is that going to tell me? I, I'm not really sure. I, I think I need to see 10 games of the regular season before, you know, I'll start to get a feel as to whether this is, a, you know, a powerful, impactful uh, or impactful moves. I, I make it plural. Um, I don't really, I don't really want to put a lot of stock in that in preseason appearances. I mean, there is some interest in, you know, how Christian Veselainen is doing uh, on the third line. But um, again, I don't think training camp is going to give us the answer to that. So it's not intrigue for me. Uh, you know, these it's a necessary time. The players need it. Uh, the coach was talking about this this morning. Uh, they needed to get their timing down in their hands and feeling good, uh, you know, about where their conditioning is at. They've trained really hard over the summer. Um, you know, players don't come back to camp anymore to get into shape. They, it's really about the timing. They like to get in a few exhibition games and go from there. Intrigue. I mean, we saw Eric Comrie in that the other night. Um, you know, that's going to be an ongoing story. I, I really don't think we're going to have a verdict on that in the first 25 or 30 games, really. I, you know, are you going to judge a guy by one start? Uh, and the same in the preseason. Are you going to judge him by his first three starts? I, I don't think so. Um, so, uh I don't want to say it's boring at Jets training camp, but in, in a way it's a, I guess it's a bit of a, it's a refreshing sort of training camp. There's no contract intrigue with anybody. We don't have the the buff intrigue of a couple of years ago. Uh, we don't have the, you know, the, the ongoing Patrick Line soap opera that was kind of um, had already started by this time last year or, you know, last season. So you know, it's kind of dull, but this is the necessary preamble to some really potentially exciting times with the Jets and to see how, you know, well or not well their their uh, group has been affected. I certainly think that um, the experience of, of Nate Schmidt and in particular Brendan Dillon, I think, you know, and, and helping just increase the depth. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to see by the looks of it, Dylan DeMello and Logan Stanley, maybe a little bit of Billy Heinle and Nathan Beaulieu as that third pair. You know, that to me just makes the Jets deeper when those guys aren't asked to do too much. So um, I, I remain confident that the 
you know, the top six, eight or nine forwards are, are pretty good quality and they give the Jets a chance to win most nights. Um, so you would have to think that, you know, the defensive end of things, shots against and chances against will, will go down. Um, and, you know, just by the math will tell you if those things go down, the other end should go up. Um, I would be optimistic if I was a Jets fan right now. How it's going to play out, I don't know. But the intrigue for me comes later, November to March and beyond. And, and we'll see, you know, we'll see then how much the intrigue goes up. Well, well let's talk about a couple of things that you mentioned. I mean, let's start in net um, because, I mean, Comrie by all accounts wasn't fantastic or anything like that on Sunday. Um, I, I, I was sort of torn whether... He really does have to prove that he's ready to go in camp, like through and have a real strong preseason, that he's ready to go, or will the jury be out as we get into the regular season? Because at some point, if it doesn't work, they will have to go a different direction. I don't think that guy is in the organization right now. Um, when, In your opinion, Tim, when will we have a verdict on whether Comrie is ready for what is a very important role behind Connor Hellebach, who obviously will still be playing the majority of the games? Yeah, I, I, um, I'll say something that might surprise you and or others. Um, but for me, like this decision is not going to come. Uh, it's not going to come before the trade deadline or maybe a few weeks here or there. And I, you know, I, 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 th- that statement's precluding an absolute meltdown of, you know, maybe three or four, you know, horrific starts in a row, which I just don't see. And, and the reason I'm taking a longer term view of this, I'll, I'll spell it out quickly is look, Eric Comrie has, um, you know, he's been a bit of a victim of the pandemic. He was in quarantine a lot of last season, you know, bouncing back between teams um, you know, he's been in the Jets organization for enough time and a long time. They know him very well as a character, but here's what he hasn't had much of in recent times. And that's a steady diet of NHL practice, NHL surroundings include that includes meetings. Uh, it includes some camaraderie, I think in, in terms of the chemistry, um, but NHL shots and, and some NHL appearances with NHL shooters against good teams um, he's had precious little of that in the past two to three years from what I can see. And so you can't just ask a guy who's, you know, kind of used to being really good at the American hockey league level, uh, and sort of popped into the NHL here and there. You can't just ask him to come in and, you know, be a wizard. I, I think it's more reasonable to allow him pretty long runway to get in, get used to, you know, what you're facing on a daily basis facing Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley and, and, you know, Nate Schmidt in, in a practice every day and playing some games against some good teams and good shooters that your timing and your thinking and your overall reaction process, you know, it just isn't going to go from A to B or B to A, I guess would be a better way to put it in, you know, in three weeks. So I see this as, you know, there'll be some selected starts. You'll have to, you know, take a close look at these back-to-backs. And, it, you know, into the new year is when I, I think it's more reasonable to have a thorough discussion about how Eric Comrie is transitioning. And, um, you know, from everything I've asked to folks I've spoken to through the offseason since this decision was made, there seems to be an awful lot of faith and an awful lot of support uh, from within the organization that Eric can do the job. So 
I'm going to be satisfied with that at the moment. I mean, I want to see it now. And I don't, I'm not going to go all crazy and start my hair on fire by the 28th of October if his first two starts don't go too well. I'm I'm willing to give it a longer time because of what's happened to him in the past two, three years. If he had been a regular NHL backup, uh, maybe on another team or, or the Jets in the past two seasons, and the start was poor and, and the first half was poor, then I would worry. But I think it's fairer to Eric to allow him a bit more transition time than that because that that allowing him more of that time will allow his real talent to come out, whatever that's going to be. Um, so I'm, I'm prepared to wait, and I think the Jets are prepared to wait for some time as well. Tim Campbell of NHL.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk discussing the latest on the Winnipeg Jets who are in action tonight at Canada Life Centre against the Edmonton Oilers. You know, it's an interesting comparison between the path for Eric Comrie into the lineup this year and compare that with someone like Philly Hainala, who many people think is ready to be a National Hockey Leaguer, but with the acquisitions in the offseason, it's a pretty crowded blue line. And I think everyone realizes that you would be better off playing 20, 25 minutes a night in the American League than, you know, being in the press box. But, um, Tim, how challenging do you think it is for the organization to you know, to have a player like that, that probably himself feels that he's ready to go in the national hockey league without a spot for them. I mean, how much coaching or management will there be of the personality of a young player like that? Assuming that there's not a spot for him in Winnipeg at the beginning of the season. I don't think it requires a lot, to be honest with you. I think a lot of that's already done. Um, and that's done, you know, before and probably not long after Villy was actually drafted um, where they have a, a pretty deep dive into Billy's character and his tendencies and his personality. Is he a patient guy? Is he impatient? Is he teachable? Is he coachable? Is he headstrong? Is he stubborn? All these things they'll by now surely have a good book on. And, um, you know, I, you mentioned something pretty important there in your question, uh, and that's whether being in the press box or playing 25 minutes a night for the moose um, is better and the answer is easy it's it's obviously playing 25 minutes a night for the moose and if if there are going to be injuries which there almost certainly will be um you know going up and down now from the moose to the jets is it's it's pretty easy normally um and it should be a little easier this year um uh, given the schedules and and just the way things are but you know there's a, a certain amount of time where the moose and the jets are are in the same place which is winnipeg and uh, when Philly's needed, I think he, you know, he's con he's confident enough as a young man to come up and go into the lineup. But, um, and I think, you know, I, I just don't see 25 minutes a night for him in the Jets lineup right now. And is that a bad thing? No, some people think it is. Um, but I'm of the opinion that um, no time with the Moose will be wasted time. And the comfort level with playing against men um, at a, in a North American game at a pretty good pace. And that applies to the American hockey league. Um, it's all a good thing for Billy Heinle and he'll be a better player and a better person for it, uh, down the road here. And, and if that means is, you know, full-time job with the jets is sort of slid or, you know, shuffled down the road here a season or two, you know, what's happening now is not, should not be seen as a negative. I, I don't, I don't really understand the clamoring for Billy Heinel in the lineup right now. Yes, I want to see the young, talented players come in and make an impact, but 
are they really ready at, you know, 20 and 21 and sometimes even 22 to do those things? It takes some pretty special players to do that. Um, Billy may turn out to be that special player, but um, right now, from what I've seen on the ice and in camp and the people they have, it's going to take a little more time. And I don't know. I, I don't know why it's so hard to be patient these days. I mean, there's clamoring for Billy and Dylan Sandberg to, you know, be pushed into the lineup, but there's also been clamoring for, you know, why can't we, why could we never find players like Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt before? Well, if we, you know, the Jets have found those guys. So I, I don't know. You can't have your cake and eat it too on what's wrong with the lineup and, you know, not only be patient, but I, I think there's a reason to be enthusiastic that there are these young, you know, young bucks that are ready and knocking on the door. I mean, what a, what a good problem to have. That's, I mean, that's those, these are the kinds of things that were not possible. were not in play um, in any atmosphere in the first three or four seasons when this franchise came back and we've, you and I probably expended a lot of hot air talking about those things in the early years. I, I, I do remember it. Um, so now here we are in a, in a much, much better position with a really an interesting problem and good problems to have. And you, Hope to have as many of these as in the future, because what does that tell you? It tells you you're going in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, and guys are going to get hurt. There will be opportunity at some point for exactly. these young men to come into the lineup and do it. And I think they'll just be much more prepared to pop in and play at the level that they need exactly. to want to stay in the National Hockey League with the way things have, uh, things have, uh, have shaken out. Not to mention... Um, you know, having real legitimate competition for playing time within an organization, I think, makes everyone better. And we haven't really had that since everything, especially on the right side, shook down in post-2018. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now in a situation, Kevin Dayoff, does, there's a lot of credit for adding to it, but also the drafting that they've done. And, you know, we focus in on Vili Hainala, but there's Dylan Sandberg, there's Kovacevic. Uh, there's Declan Chisholm, Gowanke. I mean, this Moose team this year, especially on the blue line, um, certainly talent-wise, Tim, I think far beyond anything we've seen, certainly since the Moose came back to Winnipeg. Well, and it's good. And, and you know, there's another, I mean, there are a couple of positives there. Um, you know, if Hainala is destined to play some time with the Moose and Kovacevic and some of the others that have come, you know, down the road of development, I mean, what a great situation, first of all, for Mark Morrison and his group, um, you know, to, to, you know, be more competitive and maybe to be a winning sort of team, but also the, the internal competition. Who's the first call up? Who's playing? Who's playing well this week when Kevin Chevel day off, if, you know, if he, he probably has seen a lot of the games himself, but if he, when he needs Mark's opinion on uh, who's playing well and who's, whose time is it to come up and fill in? Um, you know, that's a pretty valuable carrot that the organization has, uh, you know, you want to be ready to get your chance. So, you know, play better with the moose if you want to get your chance. And I, I want to just backtrack to one other thing you mentioned about the depth and the competition. I mean, the embodiment of this whole, this whole equation about, you know, the defense has got to get better and we've got some young guys, let's get them in there. The embodiment of this whole development and patience argument is in the lineup now to me as a regular, his name is Logan Stanley. And last year, last season at this time, which would have been about January, I guess, when we were into training camp. But, um, you know, a season ago, I don't think a lot of people saw it as all that likely Logan Stanley was a regular. I mean, there were probably some people wanting to get him in there. And um, but, you know, here's here's where the case of 
the development path is different for everybody. Patience pays off, and patience has paid off for the Jets um, with Logan Stanley. I mean, he was, he was drafted in 2016, as you as you'll well recall, and forgotten, I'm sure, by some folks uh, over that Never period mind of time. Forgotten, he, written off as a bust, Tim. Well, I mean, by some the, folks, and yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, this is the thing, and, and the, the yeah. Stanley. So there, here he is, and he's done his he's done his thing. I mean, I heard. I mean, in the past here, without you know, bringing it up and 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 making fun of anybody. I mean, I've heard the same things, you know, a few years ago about Josh Morrissey when he didn't start his first pro season with the Jets as the fourth defenseman, you know, that he was a bust and a waste of a pick. Well, I mean, those are ridiculous things to say when you hear them. I mean, they, they bear ignoring as opposed to arguing about. Um, and it's the same with Logan Stanley, you know, his, his time frame was a little longer. He's a big man. It's learning how to, uh, the play with his body in the NHL. I mean, and if you think all you're going to get from Logan Stanley is what you've seen, you're sadly mistaken on top of that. So um, the bottom line to it all is a little bit of patience goes a long way when you're talking about development and the the pecking order and the depth chart that's being assembled, uh, you know, and it goes in fits and starts, but it's a, it's a positive enthusiastic thing. Um, to have and and Logan Stanley is the latest bit of evidence. If some of the others like Josh Morrissey, uh, you know, and we could talk about any number of the forwards on this team and goalie Connor Hellebuck, um, you know, they're all great examples of it. They're staring us in the face every day, and yet we seem to forget them very quickly. These examples, you know, I, I have to laugh. You know, just thinking about Stanley, but you're exactly right. I mean, and what he did, he earned it. I mean, like a year ago at this time, when we were in training camp, you recall. He wasn't even in the A group, Tim. I mean, he That's was right. in the B group and earned his way through his play that all of a sudden he was an option. And like, I'm not even sure that the organization envisioned what he would do for the team last season as often that he did. Um, but he made the most of the opportunity. And now he is, you know, presumably a part of that top six. Uh, playing my my recollection was he got into the second game of the season last year. I believe it was in Toronto. And my recollection is there were there were a lot of nervous people on the day of that game that, you know, here's Logan Stanley's first NHL game. Hmm. You know, big kid. Well, yeah, he's been coming along, but you know, wow, he's never played against the against NHL competition. Now here he is against Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And wow, this this could this might not turn out well. I'm nervous about this. And you know, here we are, all these games and a season and some playoff games later. And, you know, I don't detect that there's a whole lot of people all that nervous about Logan Stanley going into game one at Anaheim this year. So that just shows you how far things have come in a very relatively short period of time. Uh, And again, a good reminder about what can happen with development. Yeah, it's a great point. Tim Campbell with us from NHL.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at TimNHL. Uh, Let's move off the blue line and get up to the front. Uh, The one thing that I kind of didn't expect that has taken place so far um, was the swap of Paul Stastny and Andrew Kopp. I I guess maybe we're just so used to having Kopp riding shotgun with Adam Lowry and those guys (laughs) driving that line. Um, And Kopp's in a unique situation in that he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year um, because there wasn't the money under the cap to sign him long term after the other deals got done. Oh, what do you make of where Cop is in the lineup right now and the opportunity that he seems to be on the plate for him going into the season, potentially as a top six forward? Well, I'm not surprised by it. Um, and he has played some top six time in, in his resume here. In fact, quite a bit of it. He was reminding us of some of the combinations. I think it was yesterday uh, when we spoke to him at the Iceplex, uh, you know, which to me is 
amusing, but he was also advocating for the fact that he fully expects there will be plenty of time playing with Adam Lowry uh, down the road here. I mean, clearly he's comfortable with it. Uh, Clearly Adam is comfortable with it. And most importantly, clearly coach Paul Maurice is comfortable with these guys, especially when it comes to maybe facing some of the more elite teams or players or opponents uh, in, in the schedule and particularly on the road. I mean, there's a line that he can, you know, happily throw out in Roger at Rogers place in Edmonton or, you know, in Vancouver when Pedersen and company get rolling up and they're having a hot week or, you know, in Toronto, if it's going to be against Austin Matthews and just go through the, the list of talented teams around the NHL. I mean, there's a third line that, uh, you know, Paul Maurice, some, some nights he must just chuckle to himself about matchups as the road team. If he, you know, when, when his worst option maybe is throwing those guys out on the ice against the other team's number one line. So, um, you know, I think Andrew Kopp has earned all the opportunities he's got. He's certainly proven to be the, the jack of all trades, the, the player that excels, the, the guy you can put out without a second thought in pretty much every situation. He can make plays. He certainly reads the game well. He can make other players around him better, and and in particularly defensively. I mean, I noticed the coach pointed out the other day, which is a really interesting concept because you don't hear that much. You always hear about, well, that guy makes other guys better because he's a good passer, or you know, or he sees the rush, you know, really well. He can make the plays, but making someone better that you're playing with when you're talking about a defensive sort of scheme. That's a that's a more interesting concept, certainly more cerebral concept, and I think Andrew Kopp fits into that well. It just continues to show his value in all these situations, and um, you know that's going to make him a valuable player here this season, uh, maybe longer. We can hope, um, but certainly in the NHL for some time to come, uh, his value certainly is increasing. Well, and, and you know. You- Part and parcel of that is the versatility of Paul Stastny. I mean, being able to put him down playing with the long well, side sure. Lowry and, you know, and what an opportunity for <clears throat> Veselainen right now out of the gate. And I think this was a guy that, you know, he has done, he seems to have done the things that the organization has asked him to do to prepare himself for the opportunity to get into the lineup. And I know he's a first round pick. Not everyone just gets plunked into the top six and is in a scoring role. And it seems like through his time with the Moose, as well as the time last year with Winnipeg, um, you know, he's understood some of the things that he needed to get better to do. And um, so far, so good with uh, the way he's looked with those guys on what looks like the third line for Winnipeg. Yeah, I think I think it's going to take some some time and some reps here. You know, it's to me, it's the, the young player who's kind of been knocking on the door. It's all this, you know, I call it believability and, and not for the general public or the fans, but in his own mind, you know, is this believable? Is he, does he feel comfortable enough to do the things he's good at? Um, you know, and that doesn't happen just with one chance or one game or one practice. I see this also taking, you know, some weeks and maybe even a month or two or three for Christian to unlock the, you know, the freedom of himself to just go out there and do what he can do that, you know, some of the, the defensive things and the reading uh, the reading things of the game become sort of automatic in his brain. He can stop thinking about them because, you know, he'll do the right thing every time when he sees X, Y, or Z, um, whether it's forechecking or on the rush or defending in his own zone. Um, you know, when those things start to become a little more routine and automatic, then you'll see, 
you know, some of the abilities and talents and, and, you know, what he's capable of is, is real hockey thinking, I guess, you know, once that other stuff is put to bed in a comfortable way and that it pleases the coach, obviously, you know, then we'll see more from Christian. So once again, in the first five games, if he has no points, you know, it would be really disappointing to see, you know, Twitter light up with all the people hair on fire, get him into the third, get him to the fourth line, or, you know, let's get the 13th forward in there and give him a chance. Like that's not going to help anything. They need to, they need to reinforce with Christian. I mean, they believed in him enough. Here's, here's what it comes back to for me. They believed in him enough to put him in, I think four Stanley cup playoff games last spring. Um, so it was through injuries and, and other decisions, but look, you know, you don't put somebody in a playoff game if you've got no faith in them. Uh, they've got to have something to bring to that time of year if you're going to be able to actually be in a, in a starting 20 of uh, a postseason game. So they believed enough in Christian to put him into those playoff games and play him some. Um, did he make a big difference? Mm, probably not. But you cannot, uh, you cannot practice enough or coach enough or have a video session enough to – you know, give you some faith and confidence that being in a Stanley Cup playoff game will give a player, especially a young player. And so I think you're going to see this go on for a little while while they, you know, tinker and, and fidget and and try to, you know, coddle him and probably in some ways to unlock what's actually in there. Um, I, I, you know, I hope we'll see it sooner or later just from a fan's chair. But if we don't, um, you know, give it give it a little bit of time. He's this is a big change for someone to become an, a regular player in the NHL with sort of a, without the fear of being, you know, cut or sent to the minors. And, um, you know, if, if he's got the ability, we'll, we'll see it. They'll get it out of him. Tim, uh, I'm really looking, looking forward to seeing Cole Perfetti in person in uh, game action for the first time tonight. Very interesting. You know, we talked a lot about the moose. I mean, an opportunity to play for the moose that wouldn't normally be there for this, I think, is hugely beneficial for Perfetti uh, because he's not the sort of a player that I think you'd want playing limited minutes on a fourth line. And you certainly wouldn't want him spending a bunch of time in the press box. Um, But what have you seen so far from Perfetti? And do you think he might be in the opening night lineup because, of course, Mark Shifley has that one game suspension? Well, that is possible. Um, you know, the next, I would say to you, the next two weeks will determine uh, whether that's an option or not. And tonight will, you know, be step one of the next two weeks. So he did participate the other night in the game and, you know, kind of played a limited, limited time, limited role. And he, you know, excuse me, some of the things that were important to watch the other night were uh, in a quicker pace game where there's hitting, and, you know, some physical play and some traffic, you know, where will he go? What will he do? How will he handle it? You know, I did, <clears throat> did see him play with the Moose last year, uh, one game in person and, and a few others video wise. And, um, you know, that to me, uh, from what I've been hearing more than what I've seen, but again, people you talk to saying that was maybe the, the best step, the most pleasant surprise, if you can call it a surprise with a guy of that ability that he, he made last year was that, He's a, he's a little guy, let's face it, you know, in a big man's league where the game is heavy and fast. And he figured out where to go and how to survive last year in the American League. And, it, you know, it's not an easy league when there's lots of players in the NHL quite willing and able and ready to take your head off when you're not looking. Um, you know, and he, he, he navigated his way through last season. 
Um, and I, I think they were pretty pleased with that. So here's another step of it. Now a little taste of some NHL preseason games, which wasn't available to him or anybody last season um, to get in there and kind of figure out a little more about how it works. Practice is one thing with your NHL friends at training camp, but, you know, facing some real enemy fire, um, you know, is way better. And uh, I have a feeling, what do the Jets have? Six, six exhibition games, five more. You know, I would say Cole is almost surely going to get three or four exhibition looks, maybe five even, depending on how this is going and how the Mark Shifley one game, you know, left in suspension equation works out. If Cole remains in the bidding for, you know, that potential job for a game, then it'll, it'll probably go to the last exhibition game. So maybe that's what's on the line for him to show the coach that you are figuring it out. You don't have to have all the answers when you're, you know, when you're as young as he is. Um, And then, you know, there's the element of, well, you know, he can make plays if, you know, uh, we saw the shootout goal on the first day of training camp, which was basically, uh, you know, Xerox copy of that in the in the exhibition shootout the other night against Ottawa. Um, you know, you've got to think he's he knows more than one move. That's not his only good move. But, um, you know, those two things right away would make you want to come back and see him in another game. Uh, Tim, the other guy that I'll be focusing on tonight is David Gustafson. He was the player of the year for the Manitoba Moose last year. I think many of us thought that, you know, when the puck dropped on this season, he'd be in the lineup, presumably in the middle of that fourth line. Tonight, he's going to be going out with Austin Pugnansky and Mikey Essimont, the two new players in the organization. Um, Where's Gus right now? And what do you think the chances are that he is in that opening night lineup? Yeah, I I think it's pretty good. Uh, on your last question, where is he now? Well, you know, I tried to watch him a little bit in the game the other night, but exhibition games are, they're, I don't know, in some ways they're hard to watch, and I don't even, not even sure what you get out of them. I, I, I know the coaches, they have a different way of looking at these things, and what I've paid more attention to is, you know, what kind of comments am I hearing either, either by his teammates or by Coach Paul Maurice, you know, whether it's been recently or even in the past, but at camp here, he's talked about David on a couple of occasions. And, you know, what I'm hearing is there's a growing trust in how he sees the game, how he sees his job. Is he responsible enough? Can he, you know, can he be sound enough in his own end to be trusted, to be put out there in that fourth line role? A lot of times it's just four against the other team's four, but not all the time. Some Sometimes you get caught on an icing, you know, sometimes the, the changing in the matchups go awry and you'll find a, you know, four versus one spell for, you know, a shift or two in a game. And you have to be able to, you know, survive or get by in those occasions. And if you're really good, you can even take advantage of them. So that's what Paul Maurice and, and the coaches are looking for is, you know, how much trust is there in David? Um, you know, he can skate, he's a pretty good size and so far, from what I hear, that they believe he sees the game like they need him to see it. He knows his responsibilities. He knows the X's and O's about what it is they're running defensively and who's responsible for this, that, and this spot and that spot, and how he mixes with those other players. So now he's with two two sort of newbies tonight. Um, maybe they'll be looking to see if he can, you know, help guide those guys through some jitters and surely some butterflies tonight, new guys playing, you know, getting a shot uh, in a preseason NHL game. That's not probably the easiest thing to do for new guys, 
they're going to let David sort of run that and, and make it work tonight. So, you know, there's kind of a bit of responsibility in a easy, no consequences kind of game, but it's still some responsibility. And I'm sure that's what they'll be watching as much as, you know, can he make this pass or, you know, how's he looking on this defensive play? You know, how will he maybe help these other two guys uh, get past their nervousness now and just have a good preseason outing maybe after the first three or four shifts. Uh, I got to think that's part of what they're looking for tonight. Hey, before we finish up, and it's so great to have you on the program, looking forward to this game tonight. Uh, you, of course, do more than just cover the Winnipeg Jets or focusing on all the Western Canadian teams. Uh, just maybe a quick word on what's happened in Alberta with the Flames and the Edmonton Oilers, and of course the West Coast, where everything seems to be at a standstill right now with arguably <laughs> their two most important players in Quinn Hughes and uh, Elias. Yeah, I, you know, I really I get the vibe. I haven't looked in on the Canucks all that much, but you know, from what I've been reading and uh, looking at the at the game summary earlier from their exhibition game against Calgary, I, you know, I get the feeling they all just kind of believe they're in kind of some kind of limbo here right now. Yes, they've got Oliver ekman Larson kind of trying to find his feet with a new organization, get used to a bunch of new people as his teammates and a new coach. Uh, I think OEL will be fine. Uh, he's that fine of a player and that fine of a human um, he's going to fit in well there in Vancouver. I, I think there's a lot of upside for his fresh start there. Um, but clearly the Canucks are not going to, they're not going to get anywhere. I don't, I don't think they'll be good survivors if Quinn Hughes and uh, Elias Pettersson are, you know, missing uh, for any number of games. I mean, the longer this goes now, the the more concerning it would be, uh, you know, they're talented players. Look, you know, if they came in, on Friday, you know, they'll be okay. They came in a week from Friday, they'll they'll personally be okay. But missing time, this bonding time, this learning time, this get comfortable time, uh, it's not a good idea for anybody. I had a conversation with one of my colleagues the other day. It was about Johnny Gaudreau's holdout. I think it was five, five years ago. And he, he basically held out for the whole training camp before they got the contract settled. And he walked in to the Calgary Flames, rejoined the Calgary Flames at the morning skate on the day of the first game in Edmonton at Rogers Place against Connor McDavid. That was the first time anyone saw him, the first time he strapped up his skates with his teammates. You know, did he have a great start that year? I don't think so. Um, but he's a good player. You know, he'll get past it. So I, I just don't, I don't think there's a lot of room for error in Vancouver for these guys to miss a lot of time. And hopefully they'll, you know, be able to come to some kind of arrangement get them back in and uh, get, you know, get them up and running so that, you know, Vancouver can get, you know, get off to a good start because I, I think a bad start for anybody, you know, I know it's the Pacific division and it's not that well thought of, but I think a bad start is not going to be a good sign for any team that's on the bubble. And that goes for the Calgary flames too. I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of, they've made a few changes, but I think a lot of folks thought there would be more changes in Calgary um, so they're, you know, sort of wading through training camp. We'll get a chance to see a little more of what's going on with Calgary next week when the Jets have a back-to-back or a home-to-home with them, I mean. Um, so a little bit in limbo in Calgary, too. And, and you know, you asked about the Oilers. Well, I mean, you know, 6 nothing over Seattle last night. Don't put a lot of stock in exhibition games, but a lot of their, you know, big guns are in last night, and they're looking pretty good to me. So um, we're going to see Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid and, I mean, that that's going to look wonderful on a lot of nights. And 
Um, they've got some new defensemen they're trying to bring in. Again, Duncan Keith won't skate until Saturday in Edmonton. Um, Cody Cece, I believe, is in the lineup tonight here in Winnipeg. So some new faces there that they're trying to accommodate and acclimatize. Um, important guys they will be, but I think there's a sense of enthusiasm in Edmonton more than in Calgary or Vancouver right now. Tim, this was awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Cannot wait to chop it up with you as we get into the regular season. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Hustler. It's always good to see you. It, it kind of brightens up anybody's day. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Have a great one. Enjoy it tonight. There he is, hey. Tim Campbell, um, one of our great friends here on the program covering the Winnipeg Jets and the Canadian Western Canadian NHL teams. You can read all of his work over at NHL.com. All right, we do want to get to the cool bet lines. We've got a couple fun stories to finish up the program. Um, but, Remo, I, I do want to get to Paul Maurice, if we can, today. Uh, hear a little bit what the coach has to say about the lineup tonight and uh, tonight's upcoming game. Um, uh, let me know if we're uh, good to go on that. We can uh, let people hear what uh, Coach Paul Maurice had to say before tonight's game. Again, a 7 o'clock puck drop down to Canada Life Center. The Jets' second of three home playoff games had the game against Ottawa on the weekend, and they will finish up the home portion of the preseason schedule a week from today, as Tim mentioned, against the Calgary Flames. Um, lineup for tonight, if you weren't with us at the top of the program, Connor Shifley-Wheeler, Lowry Stastny-Veselainen, Cole Fetty centering Harkins and Svechnikov, and then David Gustafson, who we just mentioned, playing with Mike Essimont and Austin Pognanski. And I know Mitch had mentioned in chat that it doesn't make sense to play him with uh, with guys that, you know, in his opinion, uh, have no chance of making the squad. I guess there's something to be said for that. Bottom line is he's going to be playing in a fourth-line role, and they'll probably be doing it with a number of different players. Um, so I think it is a good opportunity for Gus. I'd love to see Gus in the lineup on uh, game number one. Uh, I think that he's earned the opportunity to see if he's ready for the National Hockey League. But a big part of that is showing that he's ready in this preseason game. So uh, I will be interested and I'll be focusing on David Gustafson when he's out there uh, a little bit later on tonight when we get out to the rink. Um, all right, let's hear from Coach Paul Maurice, Winnipeg Jets head coach who spoke after the morning skate for the players that will be in tonight's lineup. Uh, here's the boss. Paul, what are you looking to see from this group tonight? Is it, are you watching the same way that you would? Yeah. yeah, it's just the kind of the other half of camp a little bit uh, and then um, see how far along you are with what you're seeing to make decisions on the next two games, which will be really important for a lot of players. What do you like about your ability to kind of switch a few different defensemen for your power play units? Just you have a few other options? Um, looks, right? So we have a unit last year that ran at a real high rate per minute on being on the ice, the uh, Ehlers unit, as he likes to call it, when it's scoring. Uh, and lost Matty Brown at front on it. So we have to make an adjustment to that unit and we've added another power play guy in Schmidt. So obviously we've lost a forward and added a D-man. But I, I think that we can, uh, I don't think we have to lose anything on that, that unit. I, you saw, you know, Josh score a goal from that hole as a one-timer. We got two left-handed guys that can shoot the puck heavy there. We, we, we almost, uh, which would almost be a slightly different look for Nicky. He doesn't have to shoot the puck every time. Anyway, uh, I think that we can do a lot of different things. And, and power plays, 
get hot and then they get stale. And you want to have a place to go um, and try new things when, when your power play's not going. So I think net goals, we ended up fifth last year. Um, we, we think we're, you know, we should be a top 10 power play team. And, uh, we, but we want to have more than one look. I think, I think getting stale at any, any time on your special teams is dangerous. Why is it important to have those two units going? And did you give consideration to giving Ehlers a shot with the top unit? Uh, I did. And then Nicky would have carbombed me. Like, he loves that unit. Like, like he doesn't, he's, he's on, I think they were maybe third in the NHL in goals per 60 minutes. I mean, he doesn't necessarily want to come off it. If it's, if it's the, at the end of the day, they're, they're either working or they're not, then you got to decide how much time you're giving them. Right, so we'll give Nicky's unit quite a bit of time because we've seen it work at an elite level for a long time. The other unit may be less time before we make some adjustments to it. But having two units was good for us last year. It keeps all of our skilled players involved in the game. Um, and we'll continue to do that. Paul, you, you often joke, and, and it's partly the truth, too, that veterans don't like training camp, or some do, some don't. It gets old after a while. You're in your 26th season yeah. as coach. Is it different for you? Well, we, this camp I haven't run before. I've ran versions of it. But the structure of camp, what we're trying to do with our team is all brand new. Right, so when you put those two together, then it's exciting for me. And then there's a, then there's a day, today, maybe tomorrow, that you would like. You think you've been friendly to everybody. Everybody's hits the ice. They've all played together. Everything's nice. You know, there's going to be five guys who feel they didn't get enough of a chance in exhibition games. So we got two more games, and it's not at that point about making them happy. But you know, you got to see some things to give you a plan for the next week, and and then. We all kind of hit that gear, and you see older players and veterans and coaches, older coaches, kind of have seen what they needed to see, and they want to move on and get to work. But we've worked hard here at this camp. Like, it's been a very professional camp in terms of, in my opinion, how the players have approached it. They've worked really, really hard. You know, our numbers come in, and they just get better every year from a fitness point of view. And then they work. You can see it on the ice. We've been able to fortunately stay reasonably healthy other than the Sandberg injury. We want to keep doing that, but we've only got, you know, like a seven-day block possibly where we can practice hard. And then your schedule just says there's a bunch of drills that we run in training camp that you really can't run. You certainly can't run them in succession during the year unless you get an unusual block of days off. So it's our last push now. The competition, sorry, the competition for the, the bar and sticks, I'm sure you come into camp with an idea of what each player brings. Is it, has anyone opened your eyes or is there anything... We haven't been overly surprised necessarily. The players that have come in are kind of where we th they thought we thought they'd be. It's going to be a. I think the question is going to be in how do the pieces fit, not necessarily an assessment of the individual piece. You know, any one of them probably could make the team, uh, but how they function together is going to be the key piece, and it may take us a little while till we find that. I'm just going back to my previous question. It's probably a simple answer, but why don't vets like training camp? Like from your perspective, over 26 years. Oh, I, I think it might be unfair. Like, okay, uh, these guys are trained to have something fun to play for training camp. You know, exhibition for these guys, they got to get ready, right? They don't want to get hurt because that's a real bad. I and mean, it's in the back of your head. You got to get through it, but you also got to get ready. Um, I mean, training camps were a lot different when I started, right? They were five weeks long, and it was two-a-days sometimes, and it was brutal. 
Now these guys come in in such good shape, all you'll do is wear your team right down. I mean, you push them hard. It's the hardest they'll practice all year. It's the longest they'll practice all year. And then once they feel like they're ready, I think these guys do get game ready quite a bit quicker, definitely quite a bit quicker than they used to. I mean, they used, some of them used, truly would come to get in shape. They needed that long runway. These guys are ready, right? They, they want to tie. As soon as they feel that their hands are ready, their conditioning's there, away we go. So nothing to play for is never any fun, right? No fans in the building's no fun. It's just, it's no fun. How does uh, not having Mark in the opener impact your planning? It's, it's gonna, yeah. So we 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 wanted to do because you, you, a better answer is kind of you never really plan to be sure what you got, right? You're always making adjustments. There's always injuries. We, this one we know. Uh, so we want to, you know, I've run those these lines, but I'll probably break off that. Maybe even in the last exhibition game, I'll run a different set of combinations. What we'll take into Anaheim. You touched on 7D at one point. Was that an idea of maybe the opener, that you don't have as much disruption? or? No, that will all be based on you know, health schedule and what you see in training camp. So no decisions have been made on the forwards, but if we think that the 7th defenseman can add more than the 12th forward, we'll consider it. But if we got penalty killers in there that we need to have in our lineup in that hole, anybody that's a, a two-systems guy, five-on-five plus another system, penalty killer, power play, those guys have to be in your lineup. For, for your planning for the game. And if you've got all, you know, your free entire fourth line is in that situation, then you'll run 12 and 6. How much, Paul, do you monitor the minutes for your veterans in these games? Do you want to keep them lower? Do you want to run forward? No, you want to keep them normal without exceeding normal. So you want to get them to a fairly close to what they're used to because they got to get they got to get ready for that. they got to prepare for it. But you don't want to get into 21 and 22. They'll tell you they love it, right? They're, they're far more afraid of 12 minutes a night than they are 22 minutes a night because they, they, they want to play these games. I want it to be 16, 17. We got into Andrew Kopp at nine after the first period there the other night. We're laughing, but there's, I think there were six or seven penalties between both teams, and he's on both units. So, um, I didn't play those guys, and then and then you know Pierre Luc got the stick to the face, so I just got to cut those guys back at the end of the second period. I don't like doing it. I just got to keep them in a rhythm. That's all I want to do. Keep those veteran guys coming off the bench in a regular interval, so they don't get too cold and they stay wired to the game. And does that include with special teams? I mean, you mentioned with Andrew playing on both. Is there any concern? I mean, especially. I don't know, on a penalty kill too. Yeah, so he, he came off. That would be part of the, like Like Lowry will kill heavy early here tonight to get a few reps, and then we'll cut him right back. Unmute that microphone and uh, thank the coach for his time today. Uh, interesting stuff with Maurice. And, uh, you know, Kenny uh, Weeb of Weeb's World Fame asked coach about, you know, the loss of Mark in game number one and how that will, you know, affect what he's doing right now. And, you know, to me, the guy that you know, is really intriguing as potentially a player that might not normally be in the lineup is Cole Perfetti, of course. And Perfetti's going to be in that lineup tonight. So we'll look to see what he can do playing alongside Svechnikov and Jansen Harkins. Uh, But let's get Remus back in here. Uh, That really is interesting. I mean, you know, Paul Stastny certainly could be a guy that I think could move up from the Lowry line and play in that spot. Um, But there is an opportunity maybe to give the kid a little opportunity in game number one of the regular season be with the team for a little bit before he presumably, assuming everyone is healthy, goes back to the Manitoba Moose and plays some big minutes and builds on the experience he got last year. 
Yeah, I mean, you have a bunch of games to go before that ELC kicks in. And do they, I mean, I think if he's ready, I don't think that they would hold him back because they do, they think he can help them win. They'll play him. But I mean, we saw last year they made sure not to play Hanela those couple extra games so they could roll over the ELC. So uh, I think as a reward, maybe, you know, you give him the game one and then Shea flees back and then you send him, uh, send him back down. So that is something we're going to be watching. Uh, tonight here as the Jets play against Edmonton. Uh, all right. Hey, g- great to see everyone here with this in the live chat. If you're new, uh, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily mm-hmm. at 1 p.m. Daily, with the exception of tomorrow, uh, we won't be doing a show. It is a uh, federal staff holiday. It's the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, so we will take tomorrow off. We'll be back on Friday with a full recap of tonight's action, getting ready for the Bomber game and a very busy, busy weekend. Uh, and if you came late... We had a great interview with Connor McLennan from the Winnipeg Ice earlier today on the program. Very well-spoken young man. Just came back from training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. So if you missed that, make sure to check it out. Really great conversation. But one of the things that we are still open for is your chance to win ice tickets for the big home opener Saturday night against the Wheaties from Brandon in the Battle of Manitoba in the Western Hockey League. So if you haven't yet and you are in Winnipeg and would like to go to the game, if available, pop in the YouTube chat, put in exclamation mark tickets. And uh, in a couple minutes after we do our cool bet lines, we'll let you know who today's winner is. And thanks again to Munzee over at the ice for both hooking up Connor McLennan to join the show today and for giving us some tickets to give out to Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. All right, Remo, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. May as well start off with, and again, I I suggest not betting on NHL preseason, but sometimes you just can't help it. And when we see the Jets lineup tonight and what Edmonton is bringing to town, no surprise that the Jets are a heavy minus 200 favorite. Minus 200 in a game like that, I don't know whether you really want to lay it. However, I will say I was somewhat intrigued by Jets by two at plus 130. Uh, other games in the NHL preseason, if you care, tonight, Blues, Blue Jackets in Seabus, Leafs and Sens in Ottawa, Capitals hosting the Devils, Florida Panthers in taking on the Dallas Stars in Dallas, the Red Wings and Blackhawks going at it at the United Center in Chicago, the Seattle Kraken fresh off getting waxed by the Oilers last night, 6 nothing. They're 1-1 one one on the preseason. They'll be taking on the Calgary Flames tonight at the Saddle Dome and the late game is Arizona and Anaheim. If you'd like to uh, see the odds, Remus has got them up there, but you can always go to coolbet.com for more. Uh, CFL lines. This is interesting, Remo. I just pulled this up. Uh, We were on the air yesterday when the lines came out. The Bombers opened as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over BC. Uh, There's apparently been some money coming in on the home team. The Bombers now just a a one-and-a-half-point favorite against the British Columbia Lions. And I got to say, I think that's the biggest total we've seen at any point this season. 53 points, a little more confidence from the bookies on the offenses of both Winnipeg and BC after so many low scoring games this year. But a big part of that has been the Bombers keeping teams to under 10 points on the other side of the field. Yeah, I'm really surprised uh, at that line movement there because even on, on Bet Regal earlier in the week, the CFL partner, they were minus five, the Bombers, and now minus one. I would probably take the Bombers minus one and a half just um, because they've been the better team this year. But you look at last week, uh, Montreal coming off a loss. Are the Bombers going to be rusty off a of bye? That total, very high. 
I'm also surprised by the total of the Bombers' defense. We know they've you know, been very good at uh, limiting points, except for that one game uh, who went by uh, Toronto where they lost. So uh, that's, that'd be a tough one. I don't, I don't know. Mike Riley, he's been pretty good. And I know Lucky Whitehead has him and Mike Riley were just named Players of the Month. And uh, Lucky Whitehead looking for a revenge game against the Bombers. Could we see some <laughs> offensive fireworks? Ooh, I, when I put my fantasy lineups together, it's something I have to consider. Uh, the, the the total Whitehead revenge game. Yeah, and like yeah, he, I mean he was a bargain last week. Everyone had him, so uh, I've been riding uh, Lucky Whitehead uh, quite a bit the last couple weeks in my CFL fantasy hot streak. It doesn't make me feel good here. Or well, if you're a bomber I, fan, seeing that that high total, that's weird. Yeah, I'm getting in on uh, I'm getting in on the bombers at minus one and a half. Yes. I have a feeling this will go back up. I think it probably finishes in and around three points. So um, that's where I'm at right now. Montreal, two and a half point underdogs at the Ticats. And uh, the Riders, two and a half point road favorites against the Calgary Stampeders. And a quick update on this Thursday nighter. Line hasn't moved. Seven and a half points is what the line is. Cincinnati, seven and a half point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the Big Cat Bowl between the Jaguars and Bengals. Jags plus 285 on the money line. And uh, the Bengals, a heavy, heavy home favorite at minus 357. All the rest of the NFL numbers are up for the weekend at CoolBet. And if you've never played before, use the promo code WST. They'll double your initial bonus up to $200. Use the promo code WST if you want to play with us over at CoolBet.com. All right. Uh, remote will uh, give people a couple more minutes to put in exclamation mark tickets if they do want to enter for the contest for the ice tickets tonight. Uh, but let's get to a couple of the other stories in and around the world of sports today. Well, first off, on the Bombers, Bombers practicing, getting ready for Friday's game in BC. Uh, we'll do a walkthrough tomorrow. I am fired up. Kyrie Wilson coming back into the lineup, a big, big addition. But the guy that I want to see the most is what 5'11", 310-pound defensive lineman Stove Richardson. Stove, honestly, one of the best nicknames I've heard in a long time. Uh, I guess there was the fridge, there's the freezer, and now the Bombers have the stove. He could be getting in there. And good news, Andrew Harris did practice in full gear today after being limited on Monday. Maybe it was a little bit of a veteran day for the veteran running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But all things being equal, Bombers pretty healthy, getting some important players back in a very good spot coming off the bye week, looking to improve their record to 7-1. and one. Yeah, they're looking healthy, as you said, stove, the stove coming in. <laughs> Great nickname. And I guess Andrew Harris was one I maintenance day the other day, you know, keeping him fresh. You know, try, try not to overwork him too hard right off the bye. You want to keep him healthy, you know, for now, but also for a potential playoff run. So... We'll wait and see as we go, but it seems like the Bombers are in great shape, and uh, I think BC's a pretty... This could be the game of the week, um, these two. I mean, the Hamilton-Montreal um, doesn't necessarily excite me. I'm not sure, but I'm still not sure what Hamilton's QB situation. And then Saskatchewan-Calgary. Calgary's been pretty rough, but they have surprised us. So uh, Bombers-Lines, that is the game of the week, and it is you know a late one on Friday, which is great, so I can you know play my hockey game at 6.30 and uh, you know, finishing time to watch the Bombers. Of course, we touched on it a little earlier, the uh, Elks face plant in Ottawa last night. Great win for the Red Blacks, their fans, Paul Apolise. Nice to see. 
They're, of course, two and five right now, tied at the bottom of the division with the Calgary Stampeders. I actually think Calgary might get this win on the weekend, though. Saskatchewan, you know, is a solid team. But to me, I just can't imagine the Stamps not getting back into the mix, at least for a playoff spot. To do that, they're going to need to win some big games. This is a huge one for Calgary. But we'll talk about that more on Friday's show as we get ready for the weekend. A bit of NFL news. Richard Sherman back in the league ream. He has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and everyone talking about Tampa this week because of the Sunday nighter, the return of Tom Brady to new England. I believe he's 68 yards from the all time passing record. So he'll obviously get that. Um, This could be, and I know it has been referred to potentially the biggest regular season game in NFL history. Uh, I don't know whether Sherman's going to be in. I kind of doubt it. But my God, the hype train legitimately is cranking up for this. I mean, a once-in-a-lifetime event, 20 years in New England, and now Brady with another Super Bowl ring comes back to go head-to-head with the Dark Lord, Bill Belichick, and his new rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. Did I see something online that uh, Belichick didn't give Brady a proper goodbye? After all that, he just, <laughs> no goodbye, that's it, that's all, we're done? I'm, I'm shocked. Uh to week one, we're we're on to Cincinnati, as Bill Belichick would say. I mean, that seems, I don't know, that seems pretty. Uh, I guess we'll be hearing more and more, but uh, I don't know. I haven't. I know there's like stories being told on how the way the way that it ended there, but uh, yeah, that's that's I guess not surprising based on what we know of Bill Belichick's public persona. He's a guy who always wants to win, and uh, I guess if you say you're moving on, he doesn't like you anymore. But it is easy to be amazed every single Sunday what Tom Brady's been doing this year, and like the th- you know how much longer can he do this? We thought he's going to be fall off a cliff, and here he is uh, still slinging touchdowns. It's crazy, still getting it done. Although they did get whooped up pretty good by the Rams last weekend, so you know that they'll be going in. I think Tampa's seven point favorite, uh, and I think he should take the Buccaneers in this game. I have a feeling this is going to be a major statement game by Tom Brady going back to where he had all of his greatest successes as the greatest of all time with the greatest career, undoubtedly, in NFL history. Uh, Just while we're talking NFL for a minute, Remo, you're a resident NFT guy. Yes. Uh, We're going to be getting NFL top shots coming up. Yeah, I'm super pumped for this. Uh, I've been collecting the NBA top shot digital collectibles since like, uh, God, when was that? Like last January? And they've just announced a deal. So, uh, you know, instead of collecting, you know, pieces of paper, you're collecting uh, digital moments on a blockchain and they're not, you know, pictures, they're a highlight. So, you know, I have a bunch of dunks, three pointers on NBA. I'm very curious what what's going to happen with the NFL. And this is the future of uh, a sports collectibles. And not physical, but uh, digital. Very easy to buy and sell. And I don't have boxes of them in my house. And my wife's asking me to get rid of them. So I, <laughs> I much prefer for the digital NFT uh, sports sports what's, uh, artifacts. What What's your number one uh, top shot NFT for NBA? Yeah, uh, I got a brand. My best my best one is a Brandon Ingram top shot debut. It's his first one. That's my that's my best one. Series one. I got a pretty good Kyle Lowry one as well series one so a uh, series three of that is coming up soon and i'm a big fan so watch out uh for i think hockey mentioned they were planning on doing something so this is oh I think this everyone's is the going this way it's it's so much easier to trade to see what they're worth to see how many there are um dapper labs is the company uh that they're based out of vancouver 
They make the NBA Top Shot uh, digital collectibles, and now they're going to be doing NFL. So that was a big announcement. They just got val- valued in a deal has like $7 billion. Uh, what? And um, yeah, and the leagues like have a stake in them. Uh, this there's a number of like very serious uh, investors in this. So when when, uh, when do I when am I able to get my uh, hands or well virtual hands on my first Patrick Mahomes NFT? When is this happening? Um, I'm not sure. I think they're further along. You got to sign up on they t- I they tweeted you got to sign up on the wait list. I can put in a a link actually if you in the chat if you want to get on their you know to get notified uh, when they do it. I'll I'll well, sign. What Frosty it? Winnipeg, it, it feels Bitcoiny. It absolutely does. Of course that, it is. Uh, yes, but Bitcoin's worth a lot of money, so I think that <laughs> might be where things are going as well. I'll be fascinated to see what this does to the traditional card market because the card market went absolutely on fire throughout the pandemic and is still doing really well. But we are seeing more and more of a shift, shall we say, to the NFT market. Yeah certainly from the NBA. And I think that was just the start of what's to come obviously is um, I'd love to, I mean, get, get me in on the NHL one, some jets, mm-hmm. NFTs. And of course the national yeah. football league will probably eclipse everything once it gets going. Yeah. I think people have a hard time um, wrapping their head around it because it's a digital thing and not a physical thing. Mm-hmm. And I say like, look, man, like why is a piece of paper with a picture of Wayne Gretzky on it worth so much? It's, it is what you, you know, the value in it is what you see and uh, I mean, what you, th- what you think it can be and if you believe in it or not. And a lot of people do. And um, I'm having fun collecting them more. And I have learned a lot of, about the NBA players uh, from you know dabbling in, in the top shot. Well, just like fantasy football. I mean, people join fantasy leagues and they know nothing. They just might have their own team. And the next thing you know, they're breaking down the Colts backfield depth chart and uh, the fifth string receiver on teams that have been shaken up by injuries so uh, overall it's positive i'm interested in it i haven't really got into it like you but i'll probably dabble a little bit once we get into sports that i'm really into particularly hockey and football um do we want to get to a couple of these clips before we finish up the program the the jalen hurts after monday night football i mean there's some i thought eli manning was going to have the best lines of monday night uh, but in defeat, Jalen Hurts had a pretty interesting one as well. Um, basically dealing with how you deal with a very, very bad game. And that's exactly what the Eagles had on Monday as they got pretty much destroyed by the Dallas Cowboys in most aspects of the game. Yeah, here's here's the uh, press conference with that that quote you're referring to. I take responsibility for that. I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to learn from it. We're going to be a better team from it. I believe that. Um, I truly believe that. You know, you take you a deuce. You don't, you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. <laughs> so that, I mean... <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, I'm gonna disagree. Disagree. I think you should look at it for health uh, purposes. Have you ever heard of the? Have you ever heard of the Bristol stool scale hustler? You can tell a lot. So I had never heard about it until you told me about it a few years back, and now it's been etched in the yeah. back of my mind. Um, okay, and the other thing, not to go down any sort of big vax conversation, but we have made jokes about some of the holdouts, how they're doing some more research. Um, Robin Lopez 
who of course won the or Brooke Lopez won the NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. And Robin Lopez Actually, had one of the most hilarious quotes when he was asked. I'm not even sure what the original question was, but he um he he's going to be doing some more research to make sure that his brother actually won the NBA championship. Check this one out. I'm still not sure the Milwaukee's actually won the championship. I didn't I didn't watch. I wasn't there. I didn't watch the game myself. So um, I guess I'll go off a basis of there's got to be some kind of proof. I'll do I, I'm going to do my own research and figure out if they won it. <laughs> I guess I, I laughed so hard when I saw that the first time. Yeah, that was I forget he's asked something about his brother winning the championship and yeah, he responded with he's got to do some more uh research. <laughs> so NBA players were it was media day, they were all hitting hitting the podium. So that was uh those Well, were a you know what? Ones. It is a big story. I mean, Canadian Andrew Wiggins has said that, you know, he's holding out right now. That could mm-hmm. mean he's missing games for the Golden State Warriors. But maybe the biggest story right now in the NBA, Kyrie Irving. I mean, he brought us his fat, flat earth theories a few years ago and, you know, is an incredibly talented player, but a serious, serious. Um, there's a lot of drama that follows Kyrie. Let's just say that mm. he apparently is not getting vaccinated and he could miss all of the Nets home games this year. Um, you know, say what you will about the situation. I mean, the amount of money that he'd be losing, but also like Kevin Durant opted out of every other option that he had to play with Kyrie and try and win a championship in Brooklyn. If he shuts it down for half of the season right now, you honestly wonder, I know Stephen A said, if that's the case, you got to trade him. I mean, they need people that are all in. And that to me is the big question about sports right now, regardless of your opinions on the vaccine. It's are these players committed and are they on the same level with the rest of their teammates ready to do what they have to do to complete their jobs. And, uh, my God, if this goes into the regular season where Kyrie Irving, one of the biggest stars in the game, is missing half of the games, uh, you just have to wonder what that does to the Nets going forward and what that does to Kevin Durant and his quest to win a championship outside of Golden State. Yeah, and that's the rules in you know New York uh, and San Francisco. You know, if you're working there, um, you have to be vaccinated. So uh, I agree. You know, they just said today. That uh, if you, you know if you can't play because you're not vaccinated, you're not getting paid, which I think was was implied to begin with. So I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it would be a big blow again for the Warriors. They didn't have Wiggins for their home games, as you said, Kyrie in Brooklyn, and this is a storyline we're going to be watching as we approach the season. It's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, and Mackenzie Blackwood in Jersey, one of the yeah. other players that's in the National Hockey League that's not there. And uh, what was uh, Bodie Wild, uh, who uh, wasn't going to get vaxxed with the Islanders, he got his plane ticket from Lou Lamarillo. He's being sent to Sweden to play this year uh, because he's not going to get an opportunity to do it with the New York Islanders. All right, it's been a great show today. Let's yeah. give away these tickets. Shout out to everyone that entered in the YouTube chat by putting in exclamation mark tickets. If you're listening on the podcast, when you have an opportunity, join us live between one and three. We'll often do some great giveaways with the people that are watching live through the YouTube channel. And also follow us on social media at Sports Talk WPG on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll also be doing some giveaways through our social media channels as well. And make sure to come by on Friday afternoon uh, because, as we mentioned, the incredible merch we did with the our friends at Canadian Club 
and Winnipeg Sports Talk is in. And uh, I think we're going to have to uh, give out um, a hoodie and maybe a T-shirt on Friday's show as well. And we'll do that with the marble race. Um, And I think what we're going to be able to do is get everyone entered automatically through the YouTube channel by doing another command like we've um, just done with the, with the tickets. Where are we at with the uh, the ticket? Yeah. Should I just give it away or should I put them into some type of uh, wheel spin or something or just hit hit go? Hopefully this person's still in the chat. Uh, up to you. Up to ju- you. I'll just hit go right now because we're coming up against it. Okay. It's sounds gonna, good. It's going to pick a winner and I'm not going to we say are. it. We'll see. It's going to be in the chat. Look into the chat. Who is our winner? Tell us, Streamlabs. Who's winning the tickets for today's? Ah, oh, T. Kona Polly has won a pair of tickets to the Winnipeg Ice home opener on Saturday night against the Brandon Wheat Kings. Polly, nice work. It's great to see uh, you're a winner. You've obviously been around quite often. So, uh, Polly is great. Nice. It's all me. Yes, you're going to the game. Um, we'll get what do we need him to do? Send us his um, email, Reem? Yeah, Polly, just DM me your email and then we'll email you the tickets. Perfect. Yeah, either so DM or if you don't Saturdays, have Twitter, uh, send us an email yeah. to uh, at oh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Polly always asks me fantasy tips uh, on draft for DraftKings on oh, okay. Instagram oh. DM. So me and him, I mean, Polly gotten pretty tight when talking about fantasy. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, Polly, congratulations. Uh, folks, as I mentioned, no show tomorrow. For the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We will be back on Friday. Uh, and we'll have a big marble race on Friday. I promise yeah. you that. Uh, because we've got some incredible prizes from our friends at Canadian Club. We've been doing those going into bomber game days. And uh, maybe we'll have a few prizes for the marble race. Because I believe we'll have another pair of ice tickets. And uh, we've got the new merch that we've done with our friends at Canadian Club as well. So Friday's show is going to be awesome. Ken Weeb will join us on Friday. We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, we'll get ready for the big bomber game on Friday night between Winnipeg and the BC Lions. Um, Thanks again to everyone for joining us and make us a part of your day. And a huge thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen, including our newest sponsor, Princess Auto, our friends at Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club, Coolbet Canada, Assiniboia Downs, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Great day for a blizzard, folks. Get out there. Enjoy the weather. Um, we'll be down in the 200s tonight. Uh, myself and Remus at the game. So maybe we'll see you at the intermission. Should be a good one. And we'll be back Friday afternoon to break it all down for you and get ready for a big weekend here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.